It's the Chronicles of Aguna, and we're live again. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this edition, being recorded around about 20 minutes after the full-time whistle uh, in Rome, Benfica won, Arsenal won in the end. Um, we'll come on to discuss the game and, and how we're kind of feeling off the back of that in just a moment. But first of all, I want to say a massive thank you to everybody who joined us on the YouTube channel for the live watch along. Uh, always great fun uh, doing those with you guys. I feel like I'm watching the game with uh, hundreds of mates and it's brilliant. Um, so thank you all uh, for your continued support with that. If you are an audio only listener, then I do urge you to head over to the YouTube channel, check it out. Um, and on the YouTube channel, you can sign up and become a member, which will give you access to some uh, some benefits as well. Uh, so if you fancy supporting the channel that way um, and the podcast that way, then we are very, very grateful, of course. Um, I also want to say a big thank you to Mr. Tesh uh, in the chat. Uh, who's just signed up to become a member as well while we were waiting to go live. So, uh, Mr. Tesh, thank you so much. I know you're a regular in the live chat. Um, so thank you. Delighted to see that you've signed up to the membership family. Make sure you join the Discord server. Uh, we are obviously delighted to have you. So it finished in Rome. Uh, Benfica won. Arsenal won. Arsenal, of course, going behind uh, after Benfica were awarded a penalty uh, after Emil Smith-Rowe handled the ball in the penalty area. And, you know, we've had some really rotten decisions given against us in the last few weeks. There's been a lot where you've kind of come away from the game feeling irate, upset, disappointed. But this one, I've got to be honest, and I, I don't think as Arsenal fans, we can have any complaints about that one. Um, do I think Emil Smith-Rowe meant to handle the ball? No, but his arm is in, in an unnatural position. It's stopping the ball going into the centre of the six-yard box. And, the referees we know in Europe in particular um, are really hot on that. They're really hot on the uh, the unnatural position of the arm and, and deciding sort of where the ball's going uh, off the back of that. We saw it in the Champions League time and time again last season. So we know that is a thing. Um, and so we can have really no complaints about the decision uh, by the Turkish referee uh, to award Benfica with the penalty. And the penalty uh, was taken by Pizzi, of course, the Benfica captain. And he kind of gave it the old Jorginho uh, sort of stutter in the run-up and he put it uh, into the far corner. Unfortunately, Berlino unable uh, to get down there despite guessing uh, the right way. I guess my overall feelings before we come on to talk about individual performances and, and some of the other bits and pieces from the game, I guess my overall feeling is one of slight disappointment. And um, it's a feeling of slight disappointment, not because I'm sitting here going, oh, Arsenal were absolutely shit. Or, you know, you know, that livid feeling that you get when you just you watch Arsenal play and you feel as though they weren't trying and they didn't care. And, um, you know, those games are really difficult to take with this one. I feel frustrated and I feel disappointed because we so clearly should have won it. 
you know, we were in control of the game from the very off. I thought um, we dominated possession. Um, I think we had about 60% of the possession off the top of my head um, against the Benfica side. We created the best opportunities. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang spurned, I would say, three really good opportunities tonight. Obviously, the first one when Bellerin played the ball across the penalty area. And you just, you're waiting, aren't you, for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to just stick that in the back of the net. And he's gone with his left foot um, and he's completely, completely misjudged it. He's put it wide to the post. And then, of course, um, there was another one in the second half where the ball was played uh, into that inside right channel and he fired wide. And then finally, uh, the one where he was put through and he tried to kind of just check back um, inside and 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 bend. And I think he was probably trying to check back inside and bend it into that far corner. So when you look at the chances, when you look at the balance of play, obviously uh, there is a disappointment. There is a disappointment that Arsenal are not going into the second leg with a, a lead, um, with a commanding lead. Um, the positive is that we got that away goal, which... I know it feels a little bit like a novelty now because both ties are away essentially and nobody gets to play at home because such is the way things have worked out. But obviously the away goal counts in terms of the overall tie. So pleased that we got that. But having responded the way we did um, to to go in a goal behind and and having responded so quickly, I do feel as though Arsenal probably... um, should have been able to to go on and, and win that game and really put Benfica to the sword. I didn't look at that Benfica side and think they were anything special. Um, as I said, they sprung a real surprise on us. We knew that they were going to be cautious. We knew that Jorge Jesus was going to try and um, and protect the, the heart of his team. Uh, we talked about it in the preview show. We talked about it in the build-up. We talked about how important it was for them to protect that space on the edge of their own penalty area. And they did that very well. Um, and they showed us a great deal of respect, in my opinion, by changing from their normal uh, 4-4-2 system to that, uh, essentially what was a back five um, and having the holding players still sitting in front of it. So they were uh, well aware of the problems that Arsenal could pose them. Um, They were well aware of the kind of ability of uh, Martin Erdegaard, Emil Smith-Rowe, Bukayo Saka in those positions. Um, At times they played a high-ish line um, and they almost got caught out by it. At times they sat deep on the edge of their box. I thought it was a very cautious performance from Benfica. And I, and I said it during the watch along, you know, we talk about the, the, the away goals rule and the fact that it's there to supposedly, um, you know, put teams off of just playing this boring defensive football on their travels. But actually what it does is it just makes the home team do that. So what's the point? Just feels a bit outdated. It feels a bit, uh, useless and a bit uh, of a waste of time. Am I looking at Benfica and feeling as though we're going to regret not winning this game when it comes to that second leg in Athens? I can't say that I saw anything from Benfica that makes me fear them. But, you know, it only takes one off night in this competition and you can be out. You can be dumped out. And we saw that uh, last season. You know, we went to Olympiacos. We got a really positive result. 1-0 win, away goal, bang. I remember it because I was in Athens and I really enjoyed it. And I went out and celebrated after. Come back, you thought that the the second leg at the Emirates Stadium was a bit of a formality. And that wasn't the case. Olympiacos uh, punished us for missing chances. 
and then eventually ended up dumping us out of the competition. So um, I'm not saying you should write Benfica off. Um, I'm not even saying that they're good enough to beat us. I, I don't really know. But what I am saying is they've got enough about them to pounce on mistakes when we make them. And um, that's why I'm a little bit worried because I feel like Arsenal as a, as a team tonight played very well up until the final third. And in the final third, you've got to get your decisions right. You've got to pick the right passes. You've got to be penetrative. You've got to open teams up. You've got to pull defenders apart, pull people out of position. You've got to be ruthless. It's as simple as that. And Arsenal weren't that tonight. And often in football, that can come and bite you in the arse. So, you know, the the overriding feeling is, is that, We've gone away as such and got our away goal. And so it's a positive result. And I'm sure I'll be kind of more in that in that frame of mind when I wake up tomorrow. But right now, I feel in between that and a feeling of disappointment because we were so superior. We were so superior to Benfica. And you look at Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, right? And we all know he hasn't really been firing this season. Um and he comes into the team on Sunday against Leeds United, bags a hat trick, and you're thinking, "Brilliant, we've got our we've got our talisman back." But you can't afford to miss those kind of chances. Uh, you know, the one in the first half, the first one where Bellerin's rolled that ball across the box for me, that was unforgivable. That is a horrendous miss. I honestly think I'd have scored that. I mean, why has he even gone with his left foot when he's right footed? I'm surprised he hasn't kind of shifted his body around with the right foot because that way, in doing that, you're kind of preventing the miscue. If you shape your body to go with the right foot, you can only put it wide that way to the right, which is harder to do from that position than it is from where he was. So I'm surprised in his choice there. I'm surprised in the way he went to finish that. Um, so, uh, yeah, but it is what it is. Look, it's a it's a disappointing night on the face of it. But I think, as I said, I think tomorrow morning, and I'm sure the audio listeners, you'll be listening to this tomorrow morning and you'll be sitting there thinking, um, you know, that it, it, it's an okay result. Some of you will be thinking it's an okay result. Some of you will, will feel it's disappointing. Um, but me, I'm expecting to be a lot more content with it, put it that way, tomorrow than I am right now because I do feel as though it's an opportunity missed. I do feel as though we were far superior and should have punished Benfica. And I just really, really hope that we don't live to regret that. Really, uh, really do. Let's uh, say a big hello to everybody in the live chat. We're going to come to your comments now. So get your comments into the live chat. Get your questions into the live chat. Quick reminder that this show is sponsored by Manscaped. Enter our discount code, which is 90min20, and you'll get 20% off at Manscaped com as well as free shipping on your order. So if you're in need of uh, some male grooming, if you need to improve in that department, if you've let yourself go during lockdown, then head over to manscaped.com. Check out their wonderful products. Enter our discount code, which is 19min290min20, and you can get 20% off as well as your free shipping. Let's go over to the live chat. Big hello to Stephen Brown. I don't understand which planet Arteta lives in. Why is it a must that Willian must play for even just two minutes? He's a rubbish player. I, I really don't understand the obsession with Willian coming on tonight. Like, genuinely don't. Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, 
Willian made no difference to the outcome of the game. And Willian was brought on because people were blowing out of their assholes. And in the Europa League, you're allowed five substitutes. And with a massive game um, against Manchester City coming on Sunday, why wouldn't you want to give players um, a bit of a breather towards the end? Why wouldn't you want to save people, you know, when they're in the red zone as such, um, in terms of the the risk of picking up injuries when they're most fatigued? Why wouldn't you want to make those changes um, and lighten the load? But, you know, Willian is not bad enough to, to come on and lose us the game um, in the state it was in. So we were talking about it during the live watch along, right? People were... were we were making laughs and jokes about it. You know, are we going to get through a game where Willian doesn't come on? And then when Willian came on, I couldn't believe that there were actually people who were genuinely pissed off about it, like genuinely wound up by it. Like you can't say he came on ahead of Martinelli. You can't say he came on ahead of Pepe because they were all on as well. He came on as part of the final couple of substitutions Arsenal made to see the game out, to manage the game properly. And sometimes in football, you have to accept that you're not going to win the game and you have to manage the game in that way. You have to manage the fitness of your players. You have to kind of sometimes just understand that it's not your night. Um, and in years gone by, I think that obviously prior to, to Mikel Arteta coming in, in our desperation to win games that we probably, you know, could have drawn or got away with a draw because we had second legs to come. Sometimes we've ended up conceding that sucker punch goal um, you know, on on the break and, and 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 we've suffered from it. I remember a game against Monaco, if I'm not mistaken, at the Emirates Stadium where we conceded a real late sucker punch because we were trying to push too hard when we already had not a good result, but a, a retrievable result in our hands and we blew it because I'm trying to think back to what year it was. It was at the Emirates Stadium. What year did Monaco knock Arsenal out of the Champions League? Can you remember? Uh, I'm just Googling it. I definitely remember it. I just can't put the year to it. Uh, let's see. Um, 2015. Right. So we were 2-1 down at home to Monaco. Yeah, it was 2-1. Monaco had gone into a two-goal lead. Kondogbia and Berbatov got the goals that day, right? Oxlade-Chamberlain pulls one back on the 91st minute. And you're thinking... It's still a bad result, but it's a retrievable result. To go and win 2-0 in Monaco is not impossible. You know, it's, it's not impossible. And then you'd have the same away goals as them as well. And then if you do get it to extra time, you've got the advantage of having that extra half an hour or whatever it is um, to, you know, to turn that around. And, and if you remember the game, I'll just share it with you guys now. Hold on. There you go. Remember this? Arsenal won Monaco free. Um, that's the game I'm talking about. In a situation like that, you pull one back in the 91st minute, right? You just, you got to look around and, and assess the situation. In the added time, are you likely to get a second goal? Or do you say, right, we've closed the deficit to one goal. Let's go there and we'll, we'll do the job there. And Arsenal, I remember, got caught on the break and, and Carrasco ended up scoring in the 94th minute. So if you're just tuning in, you're probably wondering why the hell is this guy looking back at a game that happened in 2015? But the point I'm making is Mikel Arteta made the substitutions to manage the game out, to see the game out, um, accepted that we'd had the chances. They'd been and gone and we didn't take them. And there's no point crying over spilt milk. So we have to 
uh, dust ourselves off. Uh, we've still got a very good result, a positive result to take into the second leg. Uh, and we move forward. And um, sometimes you have to be a little bit smarter like that and not always um, a push players to the limit whereby they're going to risk injuries. We've had enough of those this season. Uh, so he was right to take off the plays that he did. And B, sometimes you have to, as a team manager, game of football uh, with a view to the second leg as well. It's a very different art playing a two-legged tie. Uh, ben Snyder says, we were able to get behind their backline all night, even if it was in offside positions, but we missed too many chances on another night. It could have been 4-1. Sabios and Odegaard look good. Yeah, I completely agree with you. On another night, Arsenal run away with that game. Um, how many times did we get caught offside? I mean, I can't remember a game where Arsenal got caught offside so often. Probably not since Adebayor played for us. Maybe even Theo Walcott. Uh, we'll give him a run for his money on that. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, we, we were caught offside so frequently, so frequently. Um, and that was that was a bit of a worry, wasn't it? Um, not a worry, a frustration. Um, it's a bit of a worry when you, you're seeing top footballers who should be looking across the line, not doing that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a frustrating thing. You mentioned Sabahos and Odegaard. I thought Odegaard looked good. Um, I thought he got into some really good positions and never received the ball. And I know that was pointed out on BT Sports analysis of the game as well. Um, often found space in the middle of the park, found space in between the lines. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, when the fullbacks were bringing the ball forward, they just weren't giving it to him. Uh, so that was a little bit frustrating. But again, put in a really good shift. And and I think he's he's really determined to prove himself here. And he's done quite well so far. Moving on to Danny Sabayos. Well, for me, he was clearly the man of the match. I thought he was absolutely sensational. He was everywhere. He was all over the park. He was winning tackles. He was playing passes forward. He was dribbling. He was back making uh, really important defensive blocks, especially after Granit Xhaka played that horrendous pass uh, across the, the face of our defence uh, towards the end of the first half. And, and Danny Sabayos got back and made a really key interception. So, um, yeah, Sabayos for me was was fantastic. And we were talking about him on the podcast yesterday. Is it worth keeping him? Is it worth spending 20, 25 million pounds uh, on the player in the summer? Well, if he performs like that uh, most weeks, then he certainly is worth it. Because I thought he was imperious today. I thought he was um, head and shoulders above everybody else in an Arsenal shirt. Everybody else on the pitch, in fact. Uh, wonderful performance from the Spaniard. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, really helped out on the right-hand side of the team as well defensively when Hector Bellerin was pushing on, um, which I really liked. So, yeah, great energy, great work rate. Gave a really good account of himself. Uh, big hello to everybody else joining us in the chat a little bit later on. Manas Subedi says, Aubameyang still in last year's Europa League mode, missing sitters. Of course, Aubameyang missed uh, a really, really big chance in the game against Olympiacos, didn't he, last season in the home leg uh, to essentially put the put them to bed, kill them off. Um, and they went up the other end and, and, and scored what was eventually the winner. So, um, yeah, um, uh, look, Aubameyang over the course of his Arsenal career has been an expert goal scorer. You know, he's been a sensational player for us. He's scored many, many goals. I can't sit here with any seriousness and say that it's a it's because it's the Europa League but 
sometimes you know you you pay for not taking those chances and i just really hope that um we don't pay for it in the second leg because they were guilt edge chances especially there's one in particular you know the other two okay missed them and, and you're sitting there and you're going he should score but there was one in particular and that was that one in the first half where um where the ball was played across the six yard box that is an unforgivable miss for someone of that quality so you can understand um why Arsenal fans have come away from this game feeling frustrated with him. Uh, big hello to Andreas in Cyprus. Uh, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Uh, big hello to DJ Easy as well, who's watching us via Twitter at the moment. Um, Baker Man says, I actually thought we played quite well against what I would call a back seven. And I thought Odegaard made some nice plays. Good points. Agree with that. Um, DJ Easy 05 says, we couldn't finish our dinner tonight. Even... With the conceded penalty, we still should have scored more. Uh, Cavill says, an away goal, a really lousy pitch and a decent opposition who tried to tactically close our spaces. We did well and we got into the second leg. We go into the second leg in the ascendancy. I like it and don't feel bad. Yeah, and, and as I said, I'm sure when I wake up tomorrow, right, I'll be looking at it um, and, and being a, a bit more content with the, the result that we've got tonight. But I think... You know, and that's why I always do another podcast the next day because I think right now I'm talking from raw reaction. I'm talking based on raw emotion. And my raw emotion right now is that we should have won the game. Um, but as I say, I'm sure that by tomorrow that will ease a little bit and we'll look at it in a, in a different light and we'll accept uh, what you're saying, Kville, because you make a really good point when you talk about Benfica tactically closing out the spaces. You know, I spoke about it in the preview show in, in the build-up today uh, to the game today where I talked about um, Jorge Jesus and, and the fact that he is very tactically astute, very tactically clued up and probably should have expected him to, to spring some kind of surprise in terms of the system and in terms of the formation to try and negate Arsenal's attacking threat and um, tighten up an area of the pitch, which is that area just in front of the back four where Benfica have been vulnerable uh, this season. We were joined by Tom uh, Kunda, Portuguese football expert, the other day, and he talked about uh, Benfica being vulnerable in that area and the, the likes of Adel Terab, who very good in possession, but maybe not so good at doing that that dog work on the edge of the penalty area, not so good at protecting his back line. So, yeah, Um you make some really, really good points. Uh, another one in Cyprus. Yeah, Andreas, one of our members. How are you, sir? He says, uh, Aubameyang, these are the chances which a top striker needs to grab. Shocking with the Aubameyang misses. Yeah, can't disagree. Um, Clive Robinson says, Saka, and Odegaard, Saka, Odegaard and Smith-Rowe are special in the team. Now let's build around the youth. Um, Steve Stone says, one word, ruthless. Yep, you're right. Uh, DJ says, we consistently... We're consistently inconsistent in how we turn up in the important games. I feel the game was there for us. Um, Omar says, morning, Harry. I've been told all season that I have an agenda against Aubameyang. He showed yet again tonight why I think he's finished and I would sell him in the summer. Uh, I, I don't want uh, uh, to... I, I don't think that he's finished. Um I think he had a bad game tonight. I think he missed guilt-edged opportunities when he should have taken them. Um, but that's that's it for me. You know, we're talking about a geezer who scored a hat-trick at the weekend um, in the Premier League. And now we're talking about him being finished just a couple of days later because he missed a couple of chances. Aubameyang is quite capable of scoring the winning goals for us. 
uh, in or, or the goals that essentially take us through uh, and seal our place in the next round in, in the second leg. So I wouldn't write Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang off just yet, but I understand why people are frustrated with his with his performance tonight. Uh, Banos, another one of our members, he says this was slow, predictable and boring. Um, Gunatel, also a member, says feels like a big opportunity missed tonight. Benfica were not very good. Um, Tofa says we were missing a lacquer link-up, in my opinion. And Andreas also says Arteta should have reacted more earlier with the subs. I, I don't I don't have an issue with the, the way Arteta managed the game, personally. Um, I think he tried to stick with the best team for as long as possible. And when he saw legs getting tired, um, he used what he had on the bench to freshen it up. I, I genuinely don't have any complaints about Mikel Arteta's game management. And I feel like it's so easy for people because they are kind of on the fence about Mikel Arteta. You know, they're looking at him and they're not really 100% sure as to whether he's the right man and they've got reservations about that. I think then it becomes easy to then start to nitpick, you know, and, and focus in on on certain elements of the game and, and attribute the fault to him. I can't attribute him for the fault. You know, he picked the team that blew leads out of the water in the first half um, at the weekend. We played very well tonight in, in certain stages up until the final third. We created opportunities and unfortunately those players on the pitch didn't take them. So I, I I think it's harsh to to look at Arteta's game management. I don't think he did did anything wrong. I just think we were unfortunate, and the players that that should have scored goals and should have killed the game off for us in those key moments just lacked quality on the night, and and it didn't happen. A uh, big hello to Emmanuel Rodriguez. He's a Benfica fan. He says good game, Benfica fan here. Good game, my friend. And we look forward to the second leg. Welcome to the channel, by the way. Great to have you uh, with us. And um. Interested, Emmanuel, what do you think of Arsenal? You've watched Arsenal tonight. Um, we're all sitting here every week and we're arguing and we're debating and we're trying to suss out in which direction Arsenal go. And I think it's useful sometimes uh, to get the opinion of fans who've watched their teams play against us on where we are. So, Emmanuel, I'd love to hear from you in the live chat. How do you see this Arsenal side? Do you think Arsenal were superior tonight? Do you think Arsenal should be kicking themselves at the fact that they didn't come away from that first leg with a lead. Let us know. Big hello to Lee. He says, I think Benfica's tactics were goodish. You thought two players would have played, but were kept off, off and brought on the second half, knowing we probably wanted to get a lead and rest players in the second half. Um, I said there was very fine margins and Gunatel says uh, only takes a David Luiz red card. Let's keep going through the live chat, see what you guys are saying. Uh, Andre, um, I think that on another day, Arsenal could have won that game by a few goals, but it's small margins in the end. It is indeed. Uh, ben Turner says, um, our midfield were too slow in transition play. Slow tempo gave Benfica the chance to reorganise. Emmanuel says, Benfica needs to get used to these tactics. If we do, we are dangerous. But Arsenal was better. Uh, he said both teams can do better. So um, interesting. Um, apologies if I miss some of the comments, right? Because the live chat box is constantly updating and sometimes I miss um, I miss certain comments. I don't mean to do it. It just happens uh, because the chat updates and then I can't see them on my screen anymore. Um, I'm going to jump straight to... I'm going to jump a little bit further down the chat because otherwise I'm, I'm never going to catch up. Um, 
If you haven't already, make sure you hit the like button on the stream. Let's check in on how many likes we've got so far. Um, it's really important that you guys do hit that like button. It really, really helps the channel. Um, and also, if you haven't and you're a first-time viewer or you're a regular viewer but you haven't got around to doing it yet, please uh, subscribe to the channel uh, because from the analytics, I can see that around about 40% of the people that watch our videos uh, are from, or 40% of our views are from people that are not subscribed, um, which is amazing. Why are you not subscribed? <laughs> get involved. Uh, we've got 50 likes uh, at the moment. Let's get that up to 100. Surely we can do that. There's enough of you watching at the moment. Um, so let's get 100 likes. Also, if you want to become a member, as you can see, there are plenty in the live chat with a little membership icon. If you fancy becoming a member of the channel, supporting me to bring you more content, this is our third bit today. Um, so we're going in hard with it. Uh, then please do click on the link in the description. Check out the three tiers available, and I'd love to have you uh, on board. And there's part of our Discord server as well, uh, where we're having some great conversations and some great debate. Um, Kai Hin, one of our members, says, Funny how fans say players need to be loyal, but when a player has a rough patch, he needs to go. Yeah, agreed. Um, agreed. Very reactionary, aren't we, um, as football fans? Uh, Noam Peled says, Big up from Israel. Simu, you're the best on YouTube. Thank you so much, mate. I uh, really appreciate it. Love to everyone in Israel uh, watching the Chronicles of Aguna. Uh, Bad Boy says, Oba has always missed chances like that, but he also scores loads of goals. Don Giovanni uh, agrees with the uh, notion that we should have got rid of Aubameyang. He says we should have sold Aubameyang last summer. He's a limited player who doesn't even fit Arteta's style of play. Not to mention he's 32. Don't think he's finished, though. Hmm. So a few people feeling as though we probably should have... Should have moved him on. Uh, <laughs> love this. Uh, T says, not sure what was worse tonight, the game or my Betheros Sheftalier. So that for those of you that don't speak Greek, um, that means he doesn't know what was worse tonight, the match or his father-in-law's like, how do you, how would you explain Sheftaliers in English? They're, it's like a, you, you have them in a kebab, basically. It's like they're barbecued and they're like, round pork and they're wrapped in like and they got herbs and spices inside them and stuff i can't explain it in english but um if you're a greek speaker you know what he's talking about but mr t obviously doesn't like his far in north food there you go uh, <laughs> archangel says obamiang is a confidence player once he missed that sitter his head dropped and he should have been dragged interesting um chasman jeffers says that we have city coming up so lacquer needed to rest Interesting because Laka didn't play at the weekend, did he? So based on that, I thought it was being rested actually for tonight. Um, Kville says bringing on KT is a sign. I think that he's trying to get any game time under his belt to trust to justify starting him against City, but I'm not sure he's right. Uh, what do you think, Harry? I found it strange, man, that he brought Kieran Tierney on. Really, really strange. I don't know if Cedric had a problem. I haven't seen any of the post-match stuff, by the way, because we've literally done this. I, think I caught Bukayo Saka's interview on BT Sport and then we, we jumped straight on this. Um, so I'm going to watch it all afterwards. But um, if Cedric wasn't injured and it was just fatigue, I would have just left him out for 20 minutes, man. Like, I would have just left him out there for 20 minutes. I... The idea of risking Kieran Tierney after one or two training sessions just felt mad to me. Um, hopefully he's come through it unscathed. Um, and that's the sign of him sort of returning. 
back to the team gradually. But yeah, it, it, it you know, maybe he did do it to justify playing him on uh, on the weekend, but it just felt weird to me. Um, going back to the whole Aubameyang thing, because that's that's that comment from Omar sparked quite a bit of debate in the chat. Uh, Creambone says, again, as Arsenal fans, we turn on players, you go off form for a bit. If not for Oba, we'd have been relegated. Give Oba a break. <laughs> um, Sam says, even if we did get knocked out, you can't blame today on Arteta. Aubameyang missing sitters and giving away penalties is not Mikel's fault. Completely agree. Um, Hong says, Oba's problem is stamina. He won't be improving in stamina. I don't think so. I, I don't think that stamina is the issue. I, look, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is not what you call an all-action forward. He's not Luis Suarez where he's chasing people down like a like a dog, basically chasing a bone. He's, he's not like that. He's never been like that. What he relies on is that explosiveness in, in certain situations to get himself into the right positions. And naturally, as you get older, you have to kind of adapt your game, don't you, to get... Um, to be able to get into the positions that you need to, you, you have to know when to push, when not to push yourself. Um, and you have to learn to pace yourself in a different way. Um, but I don't think that that he's finished. I don't think that stamina is a problem. I don't think it's anything more than Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang just having an off night. Um, that's how I see it. Um, what else have we got here? Um, Louis Robson says, apparently it wasn't a penalty. We got scammed. Now it's a penalty for me. It's a penalty. Um, I'm not even going to entertain the biasness when people are saying it's not. It's a penalty for me. Um, it is what it is. Uh, Jazzy Guna says, uh, Arsenal looked sluggish. Um, what else have we got here? Thomas says, do you think we should get a strong character, a leader, a Bruno Fernandes type to transmit Arteta's attitude towards the squad on the pitch? Who could be a candidate? Oh, it's so hard to players like players like Bruno Fernandes, right? They don't grow on trees. It's not easy to find players like that. Players who come in and literally do what Bruno Fernandes does, which is essentially transform a Manchester United side from a team just about qualifying for the Champions League. Um, you know, to a team who are who are the closest to challenges that Man City are going to see this season, at the moment anyway. Like, you, you, you can't undervalue or you can't underestimate what an impact Bruno Fernandes has had at Man United. But you also got to realise that, A, if you don't have mega money, you can't get these players. And B... It's not always easy to find them. Look, Bruno Fernandes looked decent, right, before he joined Man United, but nobody imagined or envisaged him having the the impact that he's had. And sometimes these transfers, they just kick, they just work, um, you know, and, and that one really has worked um, for, um, for Manchester United. And it's a good bit of business at the end of the day. But I think... It's so easy to look at like players like Bruno Fernandes and go, oh, we need a Bruno Fernandes. But where do you find a Bruno Fernandes? If it was that easy, everybody would do it. That's that's my point. It's um, We don't need Bruno Fernandes or a Bruno Fernandes. We need a player who is of that level of quality that will drag us through games and make the difference um, between Arsenal, for example, drawing like we did tonight and actually winning the game. You, that those players are hard to come by. You know, we've had some of them in the past. We had Thierry Henry, we had 
Alexis Sanchez a little bit later on. You could argue that Mesut Ozil for a period was was that influential. You know, we, we had players like that. Robin Van Persie was certainly one. Cesc Fabregas was certainly one. But those players are very difficult to come by. And um, and unless, especially now, unless you're going to spend the money, uh, the big money and try and break the bank, then it's going to be difficult. Uh, big thanks to T who says the best ASC channel by far. Thank you very much. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Said Abdullah says, good to see Tierney back. I think he looked sharp. I think he looked okay. Um, I think he looked okay. There was a little bit of a scare, wasn't there, where we wondered if, um, if uh, he had an issue. Um, and we thought, oh God, why have you brought him on? And now we've ended up with, with Kieran Tierney cropped again. So um, delighted to see that he seemingly came out of the game unscathed and hopefully he'll be available for the game against City at the weekend. Um, yeah, he got he got up and down the left flank quite frequently and, and gave a good account of himself. Uh, peanut butter jelly time. This Every time I see the name, it makes me laugh. Harry, I don't think we'll win the Europa League this season. We may need a season of turnaround for some players to come back stronger, longer term. Yeah. Look, we're going through a, a, a transitional period at the moment. That's where we are. Um, that's the reality. Uh, Chris in Cyprus is to be fair. The players showed character to come back in it. I was really impressed with our fullbacks. Um, Noxious M says I'm in Australia and I just woke up and missed the game. Oh, terrible luck. Terrible luck. Um, Russ Morgan says an away goal is important. Yeah, that's obviously something we can um, certainly take encouragement from. Ben Turner asks about my 11 for the Manchester City game. We'll be looking ahead to that game on tomorrow's on one of tomorrow's podcasts. Um, so I'm not going to give it away. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, tomorrow we'll be um, we'll be uh, shifting our attention to the Manchester City game in the late show. So looking forward to that um, and sharing my thoughts with, on that one with you guys as well. Um, going to pick up one more question because it is getting late. And um, as I say, got another two podcasts coming your way tomorrow. Uh, but Don Giovanni says, Harry, how much would you be willing to pay for Erdogan based on what you've seen so far? Thought it was really promising today. That's a really good question. How much would I be willing to pay? I'm going to avoid the question by saying depends how much Arsenal have got to spend <laughs> because that's the reality of the situation that Arsenal find themselves in right now. You know, we're, we're in a position where, um, where I think what we're going to be able to spend in the summer is going to be very dependent on how this season goes. Do we qualify for the Europa League? Do we qualify for the Champions League somehow? And if we do, does that give Arsenal the boost they need to be able to then go and continue this rebuild? If we don't, are the consequences of that that we have to go through another summer penny-pinching, trying to move players out to be able to bring players in? Um, you know, who knows? Uh, but if I had to give you a figure off the top of my head, I'd probably say around 25, 30 million euros right now. Um, I, I still don't think we've seen the best of Erdogan yet, but I I think we've seen enough to know there is a player there and um, it's just about getting that out of him. That's the manager's job at the end of the day. Uh, just quickly, I'll take one more um, and then we'll leave it there. Um, Kville says, thoughts on the Luis-Gabriel partnership it looks to be working. Yeah, um, it looks quite solid. 
Um, I think Gabriel certainly benefits from having David Luiz next to him uh, because of the experience. You know, I'm not saying Gabriel's a bad defender before people jump on my back. And I know that David Luiz has got a um, an error in him. You know, there's now that, no doubt about that. But I feel like Gabriel is still a bit raw, still a bit rough around the edges. And having someone who's a little bit more seasoned next to him, um, a little bit maybe more aware, um, and a little bit more comfortable on the ball. I think all of those things make David Lewis the right partner for Gabriel. And interestingly, look, Rob Holding, right? He has played so well over the last few months. He's been sensational. He's been arguably Arsenal's best centre-back, right, for a while now. Yet he was left out of the Leeds game, I thought, because he was going to play tonight. And even tonight, he didn't get looking because David Luiz and Gabriel um, filled Mikel Arteta with that much confidence. It's no wonder that uh, Mikel Arteta wants to give David Luiz a new contract. He sees him as a starting centre-back right now in this team, even when everybody's fit. And that could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. I don't know. Um, Don Giovanni makes a great point in the chat where he says, uh, because Luis speaks Portuguese, maybe him and um, Gabriel find it easier to communicate than he and Rob Holding do. That's a really good point. Didn't even think about that. Um, it's Pablo Marie to come back in as well. You know, he was really good as well before he picked up that latest injury. So, yeah, it's um, it's interesting, isn't it? But look, when the team are winning... You can't really blame Mikel Arteta for not making changes. Um, you know, uh, that's how I see it. Paul, uh, one of our new members, uh, says, Hey, Harry, Arteta should have started with Pepe tonight. He's on a good run of form, but he was rewarded with the bench. A tactical mistake, in my opinion. The match felt like a loss. I, I don't think it was necessarily a tactical mistake, man. I, I, I get where you're coming from. But I just think that hindsight is 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 a wonderful thing. And sometimes it's too easy to just look back and go, oh, well, you know, we should have done this after the event. At the time, I don't think anybody uh, was complaining about Mikel Arteta picking the same side that he, he picked for the game against Leeds. And having won so convincingly against Leeds, I think he was well within his rights to do that. I mean, each to their own. And, and I completely respect your opinion. I just, for me, I just... I don't think he got the team wrong and I don't think he's responsible for Arsenal not winning the game tonight. He set up the team in such a way whereby we created the chances that we needed to create. We just didn't take them. Archangel says, Emil smith Rowe on the wing, Harry, come on. He didn't really play on the wing though, did he? He doesn't really play on the wing. When he plays on the left, he's got that freedom and that license to drift in field so often. And Cedric's often bombing on the outside of him. So he's got the freedom. He's got the license. He played the technical players, um, in my opinion, because he expected Benfica to sit back the way they did. He expected them to put lots of bodies. Um, and he wanted players that are capable of unpicking them. You could argue that maybe Nicolas Pepe's ability to run at people, uh, you know, would have um, would have suited us better. And that's a, that's a fair thing to have. But I just... I don't understand why, and it's obviously, it's, this is no disrespect to you guys, but the people that are picking faults in what Mikel Arteta did tonight will no doubt be the same people that are saying that he's terrible and they want him out. Or 
if they're not that extreme, then they're having doubts about him. They're asking questions about him. And what, what I would say to you is do not let previous always, you know, drive your opinion on a one-off game. Like ten, on this show, we are talking about what happened tonight in Rome between Benfica and Arsenal. The game finished 1-1. Mikel Arteta set up a team that didn't concede chances and he set up a team that created chances for themselves. So Mikel Arteta cannot get on the pitch and put the ball in the back of the net. Mikel Arteta is not on the pitch to put Emil Smith-Rowe's arm down when he puts his arm down. So you cannot you cannot blame Mikel Arteta for what happened tonight. Managers have a huge part to play in football matches, you know, with the way they set teams up, with the way they manage teams in-game. But managers can't control every variable. Managers can't control the outcome of every pass, of every cross, of every shot. And often football at the top level is decided on such fine margins. Yes, you can judge the overall um, progress of the team and you can decide that, in your opinion, that's that's not enough and, and that's fine. But to pick on Mikel Arteta for tonight, I, I just don't get it. Like, and, and I'm not having a dig at anyone specifically or any of you guys because I respect all of your views and, and it's fine. Like you're, you're putting them across in a, in a respectful way and we're having a discussion about it. I just, for me, I find it difficult to criticise a manager when his team didn't concede chances, his team created chances, dominated the ball, dominated the game and undoubtedly should have won it. So. Because of all of that, it's hard to say that he set us up wrong. And then you have to start looking deeper. You have to start looking at the players and, and whether they took the opportunities that came their way, whether they executed things to a T. It's very easy to blame the manager, but actually the manager's influence is, is, um, is limited to a degree once the game starts, right? They can make the odd switches from the sidelines, but ultimately it's down to the players to go out and put into practice. Um, what the uh, what the managers asked. So yeah, I'm not blaming Mikel Arteta. I'm a little bit disappointed that we didn't win the game. As I said, I might feel a little bit more content with the situation in the morning uh, once kind of the dust has settled a little bit, and we'll be talking about it again um, from a slightly different angle on um, on tomorrow's show. Two shows coming your way tomorrow, twelve thirty, and. Um, We'll be uh, bringing you the late one as well, which is going to be at about 5, 5.15. So stay tuned for both of those. Big hello to Mario, who's joining us uh, in the chat as well. He says, Arteta got it right and he looked full of anger and despair at the end of the game. This was purely down to poor finishing. End of second leg. We have to be fast and aggressive. Yeah, good stuff. Right, that brings me to the end of the show. Um, I know I've been saying it's going to be the end for the last 10 minutes, but sometimes I see comments and I can't ignore them. but we're going to leave it there because it is 11 p.m. We've been going all day and I'm absolutely shattered. Um, good morning if you're listening via the audio um, or if you're watching this tomorrow as well. Uh, thanks for um, all your support tonight. Thanks to everybody who joined us for the watch along. Brilliant numbers again. Thanks to everybody who signed up to the membership team tonight. I know a few of you did. I think we had five or six new members join tonight, uh, which is incredible. Um, so thank you all for your continued support. It does allow me to spend more time on this channel. It does allow me uh, to put more work in here uh, than on some of the other stuff I work on, which I prefer, obviously. Um, 
but I prefer to be doing this. I mean, um, so yeah, thank you guys. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with more Arsenal content. Hit the like button on your way out. Until then, cheers. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.